0: Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for joining us today on Answers from Antioch, where we have the intersection of today's world and and God's Holy Word. My co-host and co-pastor, Josh, is joining us today as well, and we're excited to be together. As we take a look at the current events through the lens of the Bible, As I've stated earlier and as our introduction says, the intersection of God's Word in today's world and looking through the Word of God will always get the correct perspective. Hey, listen, we'd love for you to connect with us here at Antioch. Now, Antioch Baptist Church is located at Exit 7 off Interstate 81 in Bristol, Virginia, of course, we'd love to have you come, visit with us in person. But connect with us through our website, antiochbristol.com, A-N-T-I-O-C-H, bristol.com. Connect with us there. You can also download our podcast and join them. We have weekly radio programs where we deal with subjects that are currently happening then through the lens of the Bible. And you can go to our website, and pull up these podcasts at your own convenience anytime. I think there's a little green button on that website that you can click on and select our podcast. Become a, a, a continuing lister to these and it'll be a blessing to us. And we'll rejoice together in what we're able to share in God's Word and God's truth. By the way, if you have questions for us on Answers from Antioch, we certainly would love to answer those for you through the lens of the Bible as well. So connect with us through our website and all of our information, physical address and information is given there on our website as well. Well, of course, this past Monday was Memorial Day. We thought about those soldier boys and girls who gave the supreme sacrifice that we could have the freedoms that we enjoy. And what a wonderful, wonderful Blessing it is to know there were those who so treasured this land and so treasured the freedoms that they had, that they felt like it was worth dying to defend so their children and grandchildren and future generations could have these same freedoms. My dad fought in World War II. I had great uncles who fought in World War I. And I trace this patriotic history in my own family way back for literally centuries and all the way back to the Revolutionary War. Uh, But can I say to all of us, never forget the one who's the inspiration of dying on the behalf of another is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who died to pay the sin debt "...for the entire human race, so that we could once again have fellowship with God the Father." Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, had to die. Of course, He rose again bodily from the grave that we could have that eternal life with the Father. What glorious truth that is. Now, when we think of Memorial Day, we think of those soldier boys and girls, we think of this great nation... And then we see what's happening in our land. We see the school shootings. We see the uh, shootings everywhere in the medical center in Oklahoma and other places across our land, big cities like Chicago. I believe the murder rate is about doubled now already by this time this year of what it was last year at this time. And we hear things such as that. What is happening? Where's our brain? Well, first of all, we forgot that the heart controls our actions what as a man thinketh in his heart so is he so will he become and that's where we are today that's what's going on as dr ben carson put it it's not the gun that's the problem he said the heart of the matter is not guns the heart of the matter is the heart how true that is and until we as a nation are willing to admit that nothing is going to change there's been a Second Amendment for 231 years. That's the right to bear arms. School shootings, though, have only been going on for about 30 years now. So what's the problem? Well, again, the heart is the problem. How true it is. I believe the family unit blowing up and divorce and fatherless sons and fatherless daughters. And uh, we find, you know, the love of pornography. Uh, The Internet's flourishing and pornography is flourishing and drugs and legal and illegal drugs, all of this. Violent video games in which uh, people are murdered in the video games and it becomes reality to people. There's a false sense of reality because truth has been left at the door. Yes, truth has been left at the door. You see, truth has become subjective to people, which means their feelings, their emotions are true to them. That's their reality, when actually it's not real. It is not true, yet they live in this fantasy world. Truly, that's where we're seeing. But we must go back to truth. You know something General Douglas MacArthur said in his farewell speech, I believe it was May the 12th, Uh, 1962, he died in 1964, perhaps the greatest general in history, General Douglas MacArthur. In that famous speech, he said this, duty, honor, and country. May I say duty, honor, and country. These are quotes from General Douglas MacArthur's farewell speech. Those three hallowed words, duty, honor, country, reverently dictate what you ought to be, what you can be, and what you will be. They are your rallying point to build courage when courage seems to fail, to regain faith when there seems to be little cause for faith, to create hope when hope becomes forlorn. May I say to you, never has these words meant more than they should mean to us today. There are those he went on to say, we'll deny this statement. There are those who will not have this. But he says, these words teach us to be proud and unbending in honest failure, but humble and gentle when we're successful. Not to substitute words for actions, not to seek the path of comfort, but to face the stress and the spur of difficulty and challenge. To learn to stand up in the storm, but to have compassion on those who fall. To master yourself before you seek to master others. To have a heart that is clean, a goal that is high. To learn to laugh, yet never forget how to weep to reach into the future, yet never neglect the past, to be serious, yet never to take yourself too seriously, to be modest so that you will remember the simplicity of true greatness, the open mind of true wisdom, the meekness of true strength. They create in your heart the sense of wonder, the unfailing hope of what next and joy and inspiration of life. They teach you in this way, to be an officer and a gentleman. He was addressing the cadets there. And I could go on and on with this speech. It's tremendous. But can I say duty, honor, and country. Duty to who first? First of all, we must believe we have a duty to Almighty God. Our duty to Almighty God is that we are created in His image. We, every human being, is created in the image of God, Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He him, male and female created He them. In the very image of God we're made. And ladies and gentlemen, to deny, to deny our God given rights in the right of speech, in the freedom of speech, the freedom of worship, to deny these to individuals, to censor that, is a slap in the face of God. And what Douglas MacArthur was saying is we have a duty. We can have a duty to God first, and then in honor, we're going to conduct ourselves as true people in the image of God. We have a dignity to humanity that's been given us because God gave it to us, creating us in His image. In today's world, the human family, for the most part, does not believe they have a dignity. They don't see themselves as anything. Poor, poor children who want to change their gender because they feel unloved and unworthy. And because they feel so miserable, they want to change their gender, even to animals, and thinking they can do that. Can we even imagine that? But they want to do this. They have that in their mind because they don't realize they're created in the image of God. And in the very image of God, they have a dignity assigned to them. The dignity is that God placed his own image in them. Every time Satan sees a human being, he hates God more because he's reminded of God. Every time the devil looks around this world, which he certainly is looking, and he's certainly the prince and the power of the air, as the Bible says, he's the lion that's roaring. Every time he's looking around this world, every time he sees a human being, he hates God more. And in turn, he hates the human race because we're created in the image of God. And he wants humanity to think that you are nothing. You are animals. You mean nothing. You have no dignity. But we do. We have the very image of God given to us. Human dignity. When General Douglas MacArthur said, Duty, honor, and country... In that speech, we have a duty to God. We're honored to have the image of God. And yes, we have a country. We have a heavenly country that we're representing here. We have a heavenly country we're looking to. But in this country, in the great United States of America, to which he was referring to, he was reminding those cadets and reminding us in this day that we're to be true to ourselves, master ourselves before we try to master others, master our own problems before we try to handle the problems of others. And how do we do that? We go to the very Word of God itself. The Word of God is truth. It's truth that masters me, controls me, guides me, directs me, fills me. That's what the Word of God does for every human being who will accept God's Holy Word, believe God's Holy Word, and then allow the Holy Spirit in them to practice God's Word through them. How very, very important that is. In these days, when people are not looking clearly at the problem, they're looking at the evidences of the problem, they're watching the horrible tragedies that come from the problem— But the problem is the heart, and the heart absent of truth will always go that direction. No wonder MacArthur, back in May of 1962, just two years before he died in 1964, General Douglas MacArthur said, "...duty, honor, country, these will guide you. It will guide your conduct. It will guide your vision. It will guide your careers." Can I say, it will guide and mold your character. He went on in that speech to give many encouraging words. But uh, as we've quoted from him already, let us never forget that we are at this place, that we owe it to America. But most of all, we owe it to God, Jehovah God, who created us in his image, to be true to this land to this nation, to our community, to those around us, to our church family, to live the truth of God's Word, to march forth in victory because of truth from God Almighty and follow, yes, even this great prescription that General Douglas MacArthur gave, truth, honor, and country. Well, I want my co-host, co-pastor Josh, to come at this time And share some great truth with you. Thank you, Pastor Brad. And thank you to our
0: listening audience for joining us. If you're just tuning in to our radio program, you're listening to Answers from Antioch, brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. And right now, as you're listening to this, we are in the middle of the beginning night of our vacation Bible school. And so we want to extend an invitation to all of our listening audience. If you're anywhere near the Bristol area, we have our Vacation Bible School going on starting right now Sunday, June 5th, going through Friday, June 10th from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. each evening and ages 2 to 16 are welcome to come. We would love to have you be with us for our vacation Bible school going on again this week, Sunday, June the fifth through friday, June tenth six p m to eight thirty p m each evening ages two to sixteen are welcome. Our theme is the mighty God, and with the time that I have remaining on today's program, I want to speak on that very theme the mighty God that we serve. And I don't know about you, but let me just testify and um, perhaps to my shame say that I find in myself a vacillation between being encouraged and being discouraged. And it seems that the times that I get discouraged about what's going on in the world is the times that I'm looking and hearing all the bad news Uh, seeing somebody that's drifting away from the Lord, seeing somebody who's turned completely away from Jesus Christ, and also hearing the bad news of the things that are happening in our country, the things that are happening around the world. And that tends to really discourage me and cause me to wonder and to think, you know, Lord, what are you up to? God, what are you doing? I know that there are many people who are calling out to the Lord for a great move of His Holy Spirit and calling out for a spirit of revival in our country. And we see our nation continue to slide further and further and further away from God. And can I say it a different way, that our nation is experiencing more and more and more of the consequences of a nation that forgets God, that puts God to the sidelines, and now God has said, you want me on the sideline? Have it your way. But now we're seeing the consequences of that. And I get discouraged when I think about those things. I don't know about you, and as I said, perhaps I'm saying these things to my shame and to my spiritual embarrassment. But I found the opposite of that is that the times that I turn to the Word of God are the times that I find reminders of encouragement. And I believe that is one of the great needs for the church is to be more in the word so that we don't get discouraged and so that we don't get to the place where we want to quit and we want to throw in the towel. Thank God I am not at that place and I don't want you to think that I am. And dear friend, I hope that you are not. But if you are coming close to that place of giving up, of stopping your prayers, of stopping your time in the Word, of stopping your church attendance and church not just attendance but participation in the body life of the local church. Maybe you're even a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a deacon who is thinking about quitting, thinking about what's the point, what's the use. It all seems to be declining. It all seems to be for nothing, dear friend, that is not true. And that is not biblically correct thinking. Jesus tells us, for instance, in Galatians chapter 6, that if we sow to the flesh of the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. But if we sow of the Spirit to the Spirit, we're going to reap life everlasting. And tied. To that discussion of sowing and reaping is Galatians 6, 9, which tells us not to be weary in well-doing. In other words, don't get tired in doing good. For in due season, at the right time, you will reap if you do not faint, if you do not give up. So let's not give up. Let's not throw in the towel. Let's not quit ministering, quit serving, Quit participating in the life of the church and in our spiritual life following after Jesus Christ. And why should we not quit? Because we got to remind ourselves of the God that we serve. As I said, our Vacation Bible School is themed around the mighty God. And Jeremiah 32, 17 and 18 are the theme verses for our Vacation Bible School. And it reminds us to keep our eyes on the Lord, because there is nothing too hard for Thee, the great, the mighty God. Jeremiah 32, 17 and 18. There is nothing too hard for Thee, the great, the mighty God. You know, we get discouraged when we think about the situation of our country and our inability to solve the great problems that we see. And Pastor Brad spoke about the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And that's so very true. But I cannot change someone else's heart. And if I get discouraged in the fact that I can't change someone else's heart, then I'm discouraged for the wrong reason as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I need to remind myself that, yes, I don't have the power to change hearts, but I serve the God who is able to transform anyone, anywhere, anytime. If you are a Bible-believing Christian and you understand Scripture, you understand that Jesus can save anyone, anywhere, anytime. I know all Bible-believing Christians would agree with me on that point, that there is no one beyond salvation. If you understand what Scripture says, you understand the heart of the gospel, you understand that that is the heart of our great God. And yet, when it comes to looking at our country, when it comes to looking at big situations that we are faced with, we throw in the towel. We throw up our hands and we say, this is too hard. Nothing can be done. Nothing is possible here. But dear friends, I'm glad to report to you that we serve the God of the impossible. You know, if you want further proof from this, just look at a cursory glance at scripture, and almost every character in scripture, you see that they came up against an impossible situation. In my mind, I'm thinking about Abraham there with his son Isaac on top of the mountain. And Abraham just believed God, and God had told him to go and to sacrifice his son Isaac up on top of the mountain. And Abraham had him there, laid out on the wood, his only son, his dear son Isaac, born, the son of the promise, the son that God had promised to him. And yet Abraham is going to sacrifice that son, out of obedience to God, in a sign of faith in God, that God, even if I have to kill my son, I know that you are able to raise him up right then and right there. He trusted God that much. And God did the impossible for Abraham. And not just Abraham, but think about Joseph. Think about Moses. Think about David. Uh, think about the prophets in the Old Testament like Elijah and Elisha. And we could go on and on with the list in the Old Testament, how that God did the impossible. I've not even mentioned people like Noah and Joshua. And again, the list just continues on. Meditate on this impossible situations that these heroes of the faith were faced with. And when we call them heroes of the faith, not because they did something extraordinary, but because they simply believed the God who is able to do the extraordinary, the God who is able to do the impossible. That is the very God that we serve today. I've not even got into the New Testament and to speak about the earthly life of Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, let's take a commercial break right here and remind you that Pastor Brad and myself are preaching through a Sunday morning series on the miracles of Jesus. And we're focusing on these very truths that Jesus has the authority and he proved that he had the authority over every realm of existence. Last Sunday, I preached about that wonderful miracle when Jesus calmed the storm at the sea. He just stood up in the boat and said, peace, be still. He shows that he has authority over the realm of nature. He has authority over the realm of death. He has authority over the realm of sickness. He has authority over the spiritual realm, the demonic realm. Even they must submit to his almighty power and almighty authority. And Jesus is greater than anyone and any situation and any circumstance that we find ourselves in. I'm just simply reminding you today that we serve the God of the impossible, and we are believing in this one. As Jeremiah wrote so well under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing too hard for thee, the great, the mighty God. You know, Jeremiah lived in a day that I think parallels our day. He was a preacher of righteousness and preaching his heart out. He called it a fire that was shut up in his bones. If he tried to be silent, he couldn't hold it back. It just came boiling up out of him. This message of, to the people of Judah, repent. Repent get right with God. If you don't, judgment is coming. And his life and his ministry parallels where we are today. Israel continued to reject God's word, reject God's message, and reject God's messengers. They mistreated Jeremiah and others who were in his generation. And they suffered the consequences for rejecting God's word. They were led away into Babylonian captivity. But I'm glad to report that wasn't the end of the story. Jeremiah, in his writings, includes a prophecy that Daniel read when he is in exile in Babylon. And he realized that there was a time sequence written down in the book of Jeremiah, and it's plain to see it's not one of these hidden truths that you have to add this number and that number together. I, it, it wasn't hard for Daniel to figure it out because it's plainly written in the book of Jeremiah. And Daniel understood that there's a limit, and there's coming a time when we're going to get out of this captivity. And Daniel becomes a bridge between Jeremiah's generation and the generation coming up after him who included the likes of Nehemiah and Ezra, And Daniel prays a marvelous prayer that's recorded in the book of Daniel, seeking the face of God and that God would have mercy upon his people and that God would restore his people to their land and that God would do a miracle of revival among the Jewish people. And God heard Jeremiah's prayer. God heard Daniel's prayer. Ezra, Nehemiah, got to see the restoration and the revival in their day, a revival back to the Word of God, a revival back to getting excited about the house of God and putting the worship of God at the center place of life and existence. Yes, there was a lot of growing pains in Ezra and Nehemiah's generation, but God allowed them to reap the benefits That were sown in Jeremiah's day and Daniel's day? And could it be that God is allowing us to be a generation that is sowing some seeds, that is putting down some roots, that perhaps years later will bear fruit and produce? And, and flourish once again. And I believe with all my heart that God is going to do some great things in answer to the many prayers that are being offered up by His people. So let me close with simply saying, do not give up. Remember that there is nothing too hard for our God because He is the great and the mighty God. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at Antioch, Bristol. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.